Hey everybody, Don here from the Podcast Podcast. Just wanted to let you know really quick that we had an issue with the audio file from this episode. So I had to remix it, remaster it, and we did lose part of it to being corrupt. Uh, I guess my hard drive didn't like that I tried to copy and paste a gigantic one gigabyte wave file, so it decided to punish me a little bit. So here's our episode. Minus a lot of the banter, but I think you still have, you know, the the main study, the good part. And uh, sorry if the quality is a little bit different. I had to go through great lengths to make it happen. I'd like to thank the makers of Audacity for uh, putting out a free program that was able to help me fix this. Uh, Once again, sorry if it's a little bit different. Uh, I know most of you won't miss the banter, so I guess that's the bright side, right? other than that, thanks for subscribing. If you have any questions, you can check us out at uh, bycash.podbean.com where you can email us or leave a message or you can always check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> um, so with that, um, so let's go ahead. Um, we'll get started on chapter six. I'm going to start off by reading one through three. Um, and then oh, we we'll, never discussed that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going off my notes right now. Um, so we've got this new thing, and i got to figure out where to put my Bible now so that I can read it while talking into a mic. But we look cool and professional now. Yeah, we have, it's way neat. We basically have <clears throat> microphone arms with pop filters mm-hmm. on them. Yes, I'm going with the look all at all professional podcast, and that's what I feel like. <laughs> um, come let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. I now see what my missing letter was and why I didn't understand oh. what my note was. <laughs> All right, so okay. what'd, you, what'd you get with that? I got a cough. <coughs> oh, he's got a cough. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, the first verses here uh, seem to be in response to the prior chapter, the mm-hmm. lion mauling them, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about in the last podcast. So, uh, you know, go back and listen to that if you want to. Uh, and it looks like their return is short-lived, is basically what it comes down to. Um, it didn't. It did not last very long for them, but uh, I think the meat of this comes into verse two, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of people. I was actually trying to look it up. I didn't get a chance. I got distracted. Um, a lot of people argue this could be messianic in nature, so it could be referring to Jesus. And uh, my commentator said, "Nope," but he did say. Unless it's what Paul was referencing. And I was going to grab the verse here. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. Um, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Um, the author of the commentary that I was using basically said, the according to the scriptures could refer to this verse, but the classic interpretation of verse 2 is not messianic. Okay. But, it, but I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not sold that it's not. 
So Elizabeth didn't say it was. Um, she takes more from the perspective of um, they really are addressing each other and not God um, and almost saying, okay, well, well God's going to come down. He's going to go ahead and he's going to come rescue us. Um, and really just kind of, um, I guess, rather speaking to, to, to rather than speaking to God, they're just assuming that God's mm-hmm. going to come down and go ahead and rescue them. Um, that God's going to come down and, and, and kind of fix everything. Um, that it's not necessarily a genuine repentance. It's not necessarily a genuine um, seeking and, and turning to God, um, but more of a, oh crap, we're busted, we're in trouble. Maybe we better do something before that lion eats us. Um, yeah, he went on to say that my commentator went on to say that this could also indicate uh, like wanting a quick healing, mm-hmm. wanting a quick fix. Yeah. Um, as opposed to having something long-term. And he points to the two or three days being uh, significant in Hebrew literature into basically meaning a short time. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody said, hey, how long until you fix that fence? Yeah, two or three days. It basically meant like, yeah, when I get around to it mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it'll be soon, you know. Right. So. And, and in, uh, it's in response. Which I understand that too. It's in response <laughs> to 5.15 that says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. And in their distress, earnestly seek me. Um, and so uh, she, again, takes it as an arrogance and not necessarily an earnestly seeking, um, as, as that's kind of put through at the end of chapter 5. Um, but again, that, that quick fix that you're talking about, well, he's yeah. going to come quick. So yeah, say, saying this out loud to you, I definitely can see how this is not a messianic right. uh, thing. I guess like when I was reading it to myself, I was like, oh, why not? He even put, points out the verse in Corinthians. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess uh, that's why he's saying it's, he says it's not the historical standard and bantering it out loud with you made it more yeah I was gonna more say, yeah that's definitely not messianic I don't see the messianic uh, again I'm not, not not a Bible scholar but I, I don't see how how it is but that doesn't mean that it isn't so yeah and I guess like in the same if you go down to three it says let us know let us press on to know the Lord his going out as sure as the dawn he will come to us as showers as the spring rains that water the earth and once again there it's Israel taking for granted that the Lord will return and restore them mm-hmm. and I think we see that like in our lives, a lot of times we go up and down, you know, like, mm-hmm. because we see like, you know, it's, it, you know, there's times of dark and there's times of light in our lives. So we see, you know, prosperity and despair. And mm-hmm. it's kind of that cycle. Like you're either going into suffering or coming out of suffering. Right. That kind of thing. So like we see that and we, oh, well, God will surely rescue us again, you know, mm-hmm. without, and then we start to take it for granted, not really realizing what's going on or, you know. Right. And, and, and I know in my own thought process, it's like just, just kind of trying to think through, well, you know, not wanting to make sure that we go, because well, if you look at, what is it, Matthew, uh, Matthew, where in the beginning of Matthew, when they're talking about, I guess it's 10, 9 or 10, um, when it's actually talking about um, the different healings that, um, that, that God is, is looking into. And a lot of times it comes with a faith. But, but those that had the faith to approach Jesus for healing also approached him with, with that sense of, you know, the, the leper was, well, if you want, mm-hmm. you can heal. Or it was that humbling um, with a confidence <laughs> in what God can do. And I know as I was trying to process that this week, I was like, well, you know, they're, they're trusting that God has the power to, to remove them from the situation. They're approaching, they're approaching God, 
Um, but are they approaching God with the right heart? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what is the difference between, you know, approaching God with a, the words that, that I kept trying to figure out was bold comfort, like, no, no, a, a bold humbleness or a confident humbleness. I was like, what does that even look like? And is that even a thing? Uh, but uh, what's the psalm? Hold on. Uh, I'm Googling the words. Google always gives you the right answer. I hear Wikipedia is good too. Just kidding. What is that? Psalm? If you haven't figured out, I'm just procrastinating while he's looking up the Psalms. Sorry. Is it Psalm 51? Oh, every Psalm has that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, has that verse in it apparently? Oh, don't we so there's a lot out. of psalms with with what what he's looking up. Psalm fifty one, and this is going completely without any kind of exegesis here. Uh, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I know my trans. Blah 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 blah. Um, but that sounded wrong. <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, I thought he said something about having. Uh, like a pure heart. Restore. Cast me away from your presence. Darn it. Which, which as we move forward, we'll actually. Uh, but yeah, having, having <clears throat> a, uh, sorry, having that steadfastness of heart and that mm-hmm. humility and like knowing that God is God overall. But I think it's also in that mindset of, and nobody likes to hear this, but it's also in that mindset that it's, it's, god's will that you're healed there's no formula or anything that you can do to make it you can't pray the right prayer you can't you can't force yourself to have the right heart set you know like it's really there's like the sovereignty element but there's also the like god using us as his tools element and god you know having mercy on who he'll have mercy on Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth well it's it's one of those with with jose and and kind of a lot of times just kind of thinking through that and just thinking through prayer and that sort of thing. Um, just kind of keeping like, I guess, as I've been processing that idea of, of knowing or having the right heart. Um, I know that, you know, earlier in, in Hosea, it kind of talks about, I think it was chapter five, actually, where God's like, you know, I know you, but you don't know me. Mm. And it's like, ooh. And, and, you know, my, my thoughts and my prayers really are, are kind of to the, the point of, you know, I really genuinely want to know God so well that I know when the right time and what the right thing to pray for is at the right time. And I don't know if that's a place that we can ever get, um, but just being obedient when, when, when God asks <clears throat> you to do something, that, that you do it, um, but you know that it's him or, or you know how to pray because you know God that intimately. Um, and I'm assuming that's the way that he wants here when he's talking to Israel and in, in the book of Hosea. And I think it, it, that comes down to what you're like coming to God for. So I would argue right. that Israel here is coming to God for that quick healing so they can go right back to sinning and doing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, us as Christians, when we, you know, we go boldly before the throne, right? Um, we want to do it to strengthen that relationship with God, to know Him better, to know what you know uh, His plans are for us and for those around us, and to obviously make a lot of Him, make much of Him. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have this permanent frog in my throat. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <coughs> <coughs> okay, 
that's probably louder on the mic. Maybe I'll, I'll try and edit that out if I okay. remember. Um, but it's, uh, it's that desire and that constant petitioning that God changes our hearts and to make it more, uh, in line with his will and to allow his spirit to really penetrate our, you know, our beings and all that, that makes our prayers more effective and helps us to pray more within his will and so on and so forth. So the encouragement is if you're like, man, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. Well, one, ask God to show you like where your heart's at and like, like maybe your prayers are quote unquote stopping at the ceiling because you're, you know, Lord, I pray for a million bucks. Uh, I pray for a hot wife and I pray for obedient children. And you know, like you're like, mm-hmm. come on, genie, God, hook me up. Right. Right. As opposed to, you know, God, I want you to be uh, famous in this world. I want you to, your glory to show. I want your uh, will on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Lord's mm-hmm. prayer type stuff. Right. Is it's a different, <clears throat> it's a different prayer. Right. It's it's completely different. So I encourage you keep praying and ask God to show you in your heart what your prayers need to be like. So and and we'll find out. I think it's this one. We'll keep reading just in case, because I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So six, four through six. Um, is that a, we, we good to go on? <clears throat> I'm shaking my head yes while yawning. <clears throat> what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Therefore, I have hewn, 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 hewn them by the prophets. <laughs> I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the acknowledge, or the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Yay! Well, that kind of hurts. <laughs> um, he kind of just, yep. He didn't there, have there's very a body positive. slam here. Right. <laughs> um, so what do you got? Uh, well, that whole, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? Remember, that is a uh, pet name. Mm-hmm. For uh, Israel. Yeah, for Israel. And then what shall I do with you, O Judah? Remember, they're the good guys, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, he says, your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. And that's once again, I guess, referring back to that fleeting, uh, short-lived love. If uh, I w- if you've ever been to San Diego, California, uh, a lot of times, especially in the like May and June months, they'll have a marine layer that burns off throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically the best mm-hmm. way you can look at it. You wake up like, oh, it's a cloudy day. And then by like, 11 o'clock a.m., it's bright and sunny. It's just like, it just burns off. He's saying that their love is basically like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a morning cloud. It's like the dew on your grass. When you're a little kid and you used to roll around on the ground, you'd be like, oh, man, no, I'm all wet because the grass was still wet. But then by noon, you know, you're on dry, hot ground right. again. It's it's not... It doesn't last. Yeah, it's not sticking around. So his steadfast love, one that it continues to last and continues to go on, really what he desires from us is that steadfast love. And he's saying, you know, it's kind of not working that way. Yeah. Um, but then he kind of goes even further. I mean, he kind of explains a little bit what he wants. He's like, um, so Elizabeth kind of talks about how um, verse 1 through 3 was was almost like uh, them coming to God with, with, with potentially a, a fast or something like that in their repentance or coming back to God. But he's, he, but, but I guess them kind of doing it with the wrong heart. And in this whole, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim or, or Judah? It's not like he's giving up. It's almost like, oh my gosh, like he wants to do something, but he's like, what am I to do? 
And he's like, really, in verse 6, he's like, you just don't get it. For I desire steadfast love and not a sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It's not about doing the right thing. It's not about you you fasting or you're, you're the way that you're repenting. He's like, I want a steadfast a steadfast love um, rather than the burnt offerings or, or, or a sacrifice. And so really it's, it's, it's a, a pure, I guess a pure heart is kind of what you're talking yeah. about that, that, that he's genuinely looking for. It's not, Oh, you fasted now. All right, well let's fix everything or, Oh, you're going ahead and doing this so that, you know, your pain or that lion won't devour you or whatever. But I, I just want that steadfast love that, that knowledge um, that that intimate relationship that, that really we've seen since the beginning of Hosea. Yeah, and this um, uh, steadfast love is the same. I think we talked about it in Hosea, Hesed. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so this is the same. That same steadfast love is that is still the Hesed. It's still that loyalty, that side by side, I'm, I'm sticking with you no matter what. It's what he... Uh, it, it, once again, what, what God is desiring is that is that loyalty to him as opposed to everything else. And he spells out, you know, through the law and then, of course, later uh, through the Gospels, what it means and through the epistles, mm-hmm. obviously, the New Testament, uh, what it means to have that steadfast love. It's that persevering love, that constant, even in the shape, the face of, I must say the shape, um, mm-hmm. even in the face of uh, adversity and so on. Like, he wants that Job love, you know, right. that during suffering, he wants you to, you know, stick with him, stick by him. And, you know, um, that the knowledge of God there is once again, um, not just knowing about God, but knowing God. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's the same as what it said before. It's just not a one-off. Right. Right. So to speak. So it's it's not, Oh yeah, I could, I could answer all the jeopardy questions on God. Mm -hmm. It's, it's actually like, getting to know like you would have the knowledge of your wife or the knowledge of your children is something that you would know intimately and fully. Right. You would complete each other's sandwiches as they say in frozen. Oh, frozen one or two. I think that's one. I've never seen two. Okay. So yeah, I, I've bro, I got them. seven kids. No, wait, there's seven of us in the family. I have five kids. I can't afford to go to movies. All okay. Right? We got to wait till it comes on Disney plus. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So, Disney does not own this podcast. We do not endorse Disney Plus. That is up to you. And sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, kind of in verse verse five, there is some translation. Uh, oh well, really quick. Jesus does quote Hosea. Um, I I kind of like. Does he? You went New Testament this time, dude. I love it. So uh, I had Deuteronomy. You got uh, Hosea. He's talking. Uh, he says, and Jesus. This is Matthew chapter nine, verses ten through thirteen. Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go <coughs> excuse me. Go and learn what this means. I get choked up around scripture. Yeah. Um, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Ooh. What is that, Matthew? Uh, 9.13. Matthew 9.13. For okay. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And then in uh, Matthew 12.7. By the way, that's a burn is what we call that. Yeah. Um, Matthew 12.7. He says, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Talking about this. So twice he's 
Ooh. Busting out that Hosea. Uh, and so what was the other one? Matthew 9, 13 and... Uh, Matthew 12, 7. Ah. So uh, in both cases, what he's saying to the Pharisees is... Uh, this is Jesus talking to Pharisees and priests uh, who are saying that he's basically acting like a sinner and uh, he's not obeying the law fully, so on and so forth. And he's saying, you guys are missing it. What you're doing is you are doing empty rituals, empty practices. I don't desire that. Mm. Like he's, he's straight up saying, I, I desire you know me. I desire you know who I am and have that relationship with me. I don't desire your empty rituals. And so he's not, Hosea here is not abolishing sacrifices, saying, oh, you guys don't have to sacrifice anymore. He's saying, stop with your empty rituals like the the pharisees were doing tithing on their spice rack and uh counting their steps on the sabbath to make sure they didn't do too much work and all that kind of stuff you say no that's not that's not it at all you're you're totally missing the point it's not those rituals it's not the law that's going to make you holy right it's knowledge of god knowledge of christ that makes you holy Mm -hmm. And so he's burning the Pharisees pretty hard there. He's like, whoa, whoa, you guys got it wrong. Why don't you go learn what this means? That's a pretty... I like when Jesus does steep. that. Right, it's, it is. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't realize the connections. It's, I always love when you get to see those like... Jesus, he knew his Old Testament. Like he knew it pretty well. I desire um, mercy and not sacrifice, you <clears> fools. <throat> go learn what this means. <laughs> I just, I love that. That's like a... And Hosea, like out of all of them, he, he definitely went Hosea on him. And it's like, ooh... Yeah, out of all yeah, out of all the prophets. I mean, right? <laughs> I feel like that's one of one of the, the especially when you're talking thinking minor prophets. It's like, ooh, you chose one of the harshest ones, at least that I know of. Well, and that's it. That's the thing. Okay, so if oh man, we have so you know what? It's a short chapter. There's not a lot left. We can tangent. Um, if you're reading your Bible like your King James, reading it in front of a church, thy desireth mercy and not sacrifice. Like if you've got this like monotone. <clears throat> boring tone in your head, stop it. Like straight up quit. Stop doing that. Go read Galatians and the whole time you're reading it, pretend that you are annoyed and angry. And every once in a while, it seeps out. And you say something you're not sure you should have said, but is, it's too late. Is it Galatians where Paul threatens to cut off their... No, no, no. He tells them to cut off their own. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, he doesn't threaten to do anything at all. Okay. Well, but, no, no, but he, he at least threatens yeah, right, to have them you, cut off their own. Yeah, he's talking about circumcision, for those of you not in the know. Um, and he says, hey, look, if circumcision is what makes you holy, why don't you uh, go whole hog and cut off the whole hog? Is basically mm-hmm. what he says. Like, oh, you, so you want to be holy? Take the whole thing. Emasculate yourself is how he puts it. But if you're reading Galatians, um, one of my favorite quotes is... Um, if somebody comes to you and preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Okay, putting that into the Greek is, if somebody comes and preaches to you another gospel, a false gospel, let him rot in hell, is the actual translation of that in Greek. Being accursed meant to be thrown into the flames. Okay. We just have it on it. You cannot read the Bible in a passive or stoic way. So I was, a couple weeks ago... God was really kind of teaching me through Hosea. Cause I was like, you know, I'm, I'm safe. God always teaches me when I study the Bible. And I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally safe because I am not a whore that uh, practices, <laughs> um, that practices bail sex with soon to be married virgins. I'm good. Um, I got nothing to worry about. And then God's like, as, as I was praying, I was like, Ooh, 
you know, I kind of am. And I just thought through like exactly what my sin really does to God. And should we be having this talk on air? (laughs) No, I'm just talking about the devastation of our sin. Oh, I thought you were trying to confess that you actually were a whore who participated in weird bail sex with soon to be married. No, yeah, okay, all right, never mind, carry on. But I realize Sorry guys, Scott safe. That, that sometimes like in the church, we look at our own sin and sometimes we pass off of, oh, I told a lie and it's that. Or, or even the, the one that God was, was really dealing with me on was I sometimes make a comment with, with, with some stuff that I've been struggling with is, you know, I trust God sometimes. And I was like, you know, that right there what does that do to God's heart for me to only say that I partially trust God? And something that, you know, it was kind of a sarcastic joke, but not really, and people would laugh. The reality of it is, is really our sin is equal to what God is dealing with in the book of Hosea when we're talking about whores that participate in bail sex um, with soon-to-be-married virgins. And I realize that we really don't have enough rated R sermons because if we're <laughs> genuinely going to address our sin... Maybe at your church you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, that's probably true. Um, but if we're really going to address our sin and think about it, really Hosea is very relevant to our own lives in a 2021 context. Um, <laughs> this will release in 2020, don't oh, worry. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, two, you know, 2021. 20, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the back catalog is released. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Um, so, so, I mean, it really is relevant. So, like, I mean, as we're going through and you're going, oh, okay, well, you know, I never cheated on my wife or I, I don't cheat on my husband or, or I don't. The really reality of it is, is when we sin, in a sense, we're really cheating on God. And I can only imagine how devastated I would be if I found out that my wife cheated on me. Mm-hmm. Imagine every time you sin, that's in a sense what we're doing to God. Well, and that, of course, that's why that imagery is often used. Right, right. And uh, we've got grace, we've got mercy, but he's not like a distant God. He's a God that wants to know us as, as a, a groom knows his bride. So for us to do that... I mean, th- that's a big deal when it comes to understanding our sin. Well, and I, I think of it, so to, to kind of put it in another light, and I'm not trying to like dredge up Don's sad, sad past. Right. Um, my family had a lot of issues uh, stemming from a lot of outside stuff, uh, <clears throat> and we became pretty dysfunctional during my teen years. Like pretty, pretty much I've quote unquote been on my own since I was probably about 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of like when my parents were stepped out of my life and I was like managing a lot of my own stuff. Uh, I would go home most nights just to sleep, but I didn't always go home. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if I did something that did not honor or disgrace my parents, they either didn't care and figured that's just how kids are or they didn't know about it. And I knew that it would not offend them anyway. Right. Kind of thing. Okay. That is not how the relationship with God is. Mm -hmm. The relationship with God is when we offend him, he does know about it and he does care. So I don't know if anyone else out there has had kind of the same relationship with their parents. It was like very distant or very 
closed off or maybe you have a, a family member or somebody that's like, you know, you know, burned all the bridges and they're not talking to you anymore or whatever. And you're not worried about saying something or doing something or gossiping, which is a sin mm-hmm. about them because it doesn't matter to you. Right. You know, you're not, you, you have no uh, fear of what their thoughts and feelings are. Despite the fact they were your family, they were your parents, they, mm-hmm. you know, they did raise you, love you, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, God takes that very personal. So, you know, it's it's not, it, maybe we don't have like a good earthly relationship to help us reflect and to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're married, it's kind of the same idea. Like you can't just like go and like call your wife the old lady oh the old lady's nagging me again and like she might just roll her eyes that's something husbands say you know it's not it's not how it is man like there's a there's a hurt there and that it with, with to say something similar about god like oh you know god is he's, you know he's like the, he's so hard on us you know it's like you you can't disparage him and think that it's okay mm-hmm. so that's all i got as I check this text message to make sure that my family is not burning down the house. Okay. Your family is. That's true. Oh. Uh, we got insurance. There's nothing huge. Okay. I need to get a toothbrush. Oh. So no burning down the house. No. Okay. No, my uh, family's gone through the, the colds and illnesses. And, oh, yeah. Uh, somebody put my son's toothbrush into a Ziploc baggie that somebody else had used. And my oh, wife's like, no, you're sick. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now you guys know my whole family drama. Okay. Uh, yeah, kind of jumping back into it. Sorry to get off that little tangent there. Um, what was interesting, verse 5 really quick, said, I have slain them. This is the second half. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as light. Uh, there are two uh, common translations, and uh, different interpreters will use different ones. One is, my judgment goes forth as light means it's all-encompassing. It covers everything. There's nothing that can stop the light from shining. See, um, the other one is, uh, what some argue the Hebrew is closer to saying is, can the judgment judgments in your favor be a shining light, which is a rhetorical question, uh, stating that his judgment is as dependable as the light. Okay. Um, whatever. I just thought it was kind of a cool, yeah, that is like there, cool. there's, you know, is it a rhetorical question saying, can the judgments, uh, be in your favor like a shi- as a shining light. I don't know. That, it's a word jumble to me, but I'm not a Hebrew scholar either. Right. So. Okay. All right. The guy that wrote the commentary was, sure, and he likes to ponder those things, but yeah. Okay. There you go. Either way, it's something to think about and look into. And and the one thing that I do Everybody like... Goes, a, yeah, good luck. <laughs> the one oh. thing that I do like about commentaries in general is you don't always have to agree, but it at least gives you a perspective on how to look at the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're looking at multiple commentaries, that gives you the opportunity to go, oh, okay, well, I see how this can connect, and I, and I can see how this. And so, again, we might not always come up with a conclusion, but you're still looking at it and digging deeper. And, and really, even if it brings you to just meditating on the scripture a little bit longer, um, there's very much benefit into into looking at some of those commentaries and finding out. What, um, what I find kind of hilarious about this guy is he <clears throat> is the commentary is written by uh, For Zondervan, mm-hmm. who owns the rights to the NIV. But this guy will often be like, eh, the NIV renders it this way, but other, you know, the RSV says this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh. I actually find no. that this lady mm-hmm. also goes a lot towards the RSV or the... Or ESV. Well, they're cousins. It's an older commentary, so ESV is... 
wasn't really a thing at the time. Oh, so by ours, um, so yeah. But she actually uh, goes away from the NIV actually a whole lot. And it yeah. is an NIV commentary. So, like, it's here's what you're supposed to be reading, but that's not a great translation. Right. I thought, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, so yeah, anyway. so there, there, we got all that. Uh, go study. Yeah. Learn Hebrew. Teach me. Uh, yes. If you learn <laughs> Hebrew, teach me and create a, um, a, um, an easy course that I can. <laughs> what's the what's the owl again? Like Duolingo. Yeah, g- create a Duolingo Dude, of if they uh, Old ever, Testament. If they uh, ever get biblical Hebrew, I be would. Great. They probably have no desire no, to do it, but man, no. I would kill for that. I would too. Um, killing's bad, and we're gonna find out that blood um, doesn't always work well in seven and eight. Yeah. But like Adam, so I'm gonna go. I'm really just seven through the end. Yeah, that's kind of how I have it. Okay. Um. <clears throat> but like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. Um, there they dealt faithlessly with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers tracked with blood as robbers lie in wait for a man. So the priests band together. They murder on the way to Shechem. They commit villain, villainy, villainy. In the house of Israel, I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim's whoredom is there. Israel is defiled. Defiled. Man, I can't read today. Is defiled. For you also, O Judah... A harvest is appointed when I restore the fortunes of my people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I won't kill Duolingo people anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you just, um, slaining is bad. So whatever the event is that happened here, um, it's not 100% sure, certain, but it does seem that the priests probably played a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Um, where it says the robbers and the priests band together, they murder on the way to Shechem. There's possibly some sort of massacre that happened, mm-hmm. but he he gave a couple of instances of what it could be, but said nothing's concrete. Did Elizabeth have otherwise? She was pretty much the same way. Um, most commentators I went to, um, Adam was a place, not Adam and Genesis. Yeah, I've read that too. Um, I didn't make a note of that. But so yeah. I, I didn't, not many people said, oh, this is Adam and, and Genesis. They said, could it be? Yes. But most people said it was is Adam. Um, so the IVP Old Testament commentary said that, so I'm going to read what they said. And most people point to this event as, as possibly the event that they're talking about, but but ultimately said that it could be, this is a time of, of assassinate, become the new leader, Assass- you get assassinated, then a new leader comes in. So either way, it's it's probably addressing the the issues within the, the royal household and the constant bloodshed that goes with it. But many say that it, that it's the verse in Second Kings fifteen um, uh, would be P, uh, Pika's rebellion against the Israelite king Pekahiah. Pika. Um, I won't do that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. Sorry. And here's what the IVP commentary said: Violence at Gilead and Shechem. Uh, the event chronicled here may be Pika's rebellion against the Israelite king Pekahiah um, in 736 and 2 Kings 15 thir- or 1525. Um, here's where he brings up Adam, or they bring up Adam. Apparently the fighting began at Adam with the aid of a group of uh, Gileadites and spread west uh, along the Wadi Faro Road into Israel as far well, as the Wadi sh- means city of river. Shechem. 
for you non-Hebrews out there. Um, as far as the city of Shechem, apparently Pekah's supporters were aided by priests from Bethel and their efforts to eliminate the king's officials. Um, what so, the heck, man? <laughs> so they're ultimately bringing in, this is kind of a, they'd been planning it with all kinds of extra supporters, and really they're not supposed to go against the king at all. Um, so it really was not a great thing. Um, uh, according to Elizabeth, Shechem became the symbol of loyalty in, in the Mosaic faith. Um, it was also uh, uh, a holy site, from what I I've read as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got that because they they pointed out a couple of different <coughs> scriptures of where um, a religious epicenter. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so basically opposing. So it says some before the some before the with the. Sorry. No, you're fine. I, I just lost my thought. Yeah, um, I'll help you. Go, go for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, I'm looking. Yeah, so uh, basically what's potentially going on here is that the priests are uh, taking a hand in a political power structure or uh, struggle, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, which is not something they were supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be standing... Uh, in the place of the uh, as a mediator, oh gosh, now I can't talk. A mediator between uh, God's people and God. They're supposed to be pointing the Israelites towards God and not uh, trying to gain some kind of political power and rise, which is what they appear to be doing here. Right. So they're um. they're they're out kicking their coverage. They're definitely out of place. They're not supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Them going on a murderous rampage. Um, often if you do read Old Testament battles, the priests would go before, uh, you know, the soldiers carrying the ark, the presence of the Lord, but they did not put the ark down and draw swords. That was not their place in the battle or in, you know, in the conquest, et cetera. So they're not being loyal to the covenant that was originally put out there. And to compound that, they're, they're shedding blood on the way to that patriarchal religious epicenter right uh uh patriarchs being like uh abraham isaac jacob the the fathers of the israelite people um the the covenant holders Mm -hmm. original covenant holders are well unless you talk about the adam covenant but anyway yeah (laughs) yeah they you know the the original covenant holders i'll say uh the, the ones where the promise was started, instead of living in a in peace and obeying God and doing what they're supposed to, they're like, well, we're going to, you know, overturn things. We're going to take political gain. Uh, and it's going to be apparently some kind of bloody massacre. So this whole, and, and I remember reading in Ezekiel, there was a lot of some, a lot of crazy priest action going on. Mm-hmm. Apparently that might just have been the tip of the iceberg. Cause I don't remember being as violent as these guys. Right. And I just can't, ima- I can't imagine that. Like, it's weird for me to think like, I'm like, so I'm part of the the uh, churches in uh, what's called the Sojourn Network, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of the pastors that we have. So we have pastors at our church, and I I could see one of them. He actually did do MMA fighting, and mm-hmm. he still hunts, and he's uh, you know a bodybuilder, weightlifter kind of guy. I could maybe see him, you know, beating somebody up, but the rest of my pastors. <laughs> like, <laughs> And it, like just some great pastors and the uh, the guy that started our church um, went down to another church. He after ours was planted, he went to a different church, and uh, one of the most like 
calm demeanors I have seen in a person. I can't imagine him like, all right, guys, get your swords. <laughs> right. Like it just doesn't, it, it seems so out of place to me, mm-hmm. like so wrong. I don't know. And it's not even beating people up. It's killing them. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah, slaughtering. It's, not a, it's, it's a slaughtering of, of those that try our, you know, they're, they're, well, let's think, let's think David. Mm-hmm. Like David was uh, not to build the temple because of his role in being a, a you know, bloodbath invoking warrior. Right. You know, like outside of his other sins and a lot of his, uh, well, even with David, if we think about that, um, not all of his conquests and battles were righteous. Mm. Like when he was being deceptive to the Philistines, there's nothing that says God ordained those battles that he went and fought. Right. Like, so there, there's a, I don't know. It's just, you think they get it. They're the priest, man. <laughs> well, they're the ones that are supposed to keep people focused. They're the ones that are supposed to keep people. Uh, they're supposed to help teach and right. help um, get them to stay loyal to the covenant, which they've set out. And, and yet there's some of, I mean, at least so far in Hosea, there's some of the worst in here when it comes to <laughs> practicing bell worship and right. Yeah. And so, um, well, we th- think about Sa- uh, Samuel going all the way back, uh, to Eli, the priest. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, apparently he was a horrible father, right. raised two sons that were, you know, supposed to join the priesthood that were also nincompoops. Mm-hmm. Like it's man, it's disheartening. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and it's one of those, I, I mean, I guess it goes back to, to that whole heart issue, you know, like the traditions and stuff without a heart and a relationship are, are pointless Right, because that's not really what God yeah. wants. I mean, he genuinely wants that steadfast, that has said love um, and that knowledge of him. And, and, and ultimately, I guess, as we're thinking about, you know, if you, if you have kids, um, or really if you are in a leadership position or, or really have an opportunity to disciple anywhere, you know, it's, it's not about teaching them the right things. And when I say the right things, you know, the, what we call the right Christian things, but it's, it's not moralism, right? It's trying to get them to understand the heart of God and his love for them. Yeah. And once again, like everything we do should be about making God great. Yeah. I mean, that really is where it begins and ends. Mm -hmm. So. (sighs) So with that, I guess that's the end of six. And so we'll jump into seven in in the next episode. Um, Seven might be the longest chapter in the book. It's a whole 16 verses. Ooh, that's crazy talk. Crazy. Yeah. And so we, oh, no, 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 no. We got a 17 verses in chapter nine. Yeah. I saw, yeah. And eight's pretty long too. Well, 14 for eight. Wow. So yeah. Um, once again, thanks for, uh, you know, coming along with us. We know Jose has kind of been a tough book as far as like the interpretations of it and the way it's put together. Mm-hmm. But I am learning more than I ever thought I would have learned out of this book. Absolutely. I was like, ah, we'll fly through these things. And it, yeah, I was I, like, ooh. Bible yeah. reading plans, I've flown through Hosea. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yep. digging deep, I'm I'm blessed by this book. Mm-hmm. And it has been difficult because, I mean, we're learning it's a much different book and type of book than Deuteronomy, right? Um, which we just spent, what, two, three years in? Yeah, and, um, I, and I love reading, like, the more narrative history books, yeah. like Samuel and stuff like that. So in Kings, it's it's definitely a different feel than what I, I would I would Bible roll that towards. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think it's in any children's book. 
um, Bible. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta do that. Yeah. Sorry. That's, um, a, that's a plan I have for the future. Well, yeah, we we've been thinking. Should we say something or no? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're gonna put these on. Well, we've you know what we've got like five minutes, so we'll do the the brief teaser. Okay. We're gonna put the Hosea podcast on YouTube. You'll probably know that by now because you possibly could be listening to this on YouTube. Um, but we wanted to do some other videos and stuff like that. And one of them was going to kind of highlight the differences maybe between uh, what's in your kids' children's Bible and what's in the actual scriptures. So hopefully that comes to pass. And maybe, who knows, maybe that video will exist mm-hmm. by the time you hear this. Well, it's been kind of fun to, at least for me, <laughs> I keep going, ooh, that, I bet you that's not in a children's Bible. I, then I start looking through children's Bibles going, hmm, I wonder. I found one. Oh, uh, really? I, I was cleaning out uh, my clothing closet and we had a box in there that we must have put in like when we moved in the house 10 years ago Uh i was like oh this is a treasure right here it's an old children's bible that i had as a kid so using this (laughs) and and did it have it in there uh i'll have to check and see i know it's got some i mean it does have some ezekiel and stuff but we'll have to definitely see what's up because in that little action bible man there's nothing they got nothing cool in that i was like it's an action bible yeah but as i told i think i told i don't know if i told the these listeners but i told you my son was like man there sure is a lot of blood in this (laughs) <laughs> like yes that's the bible yeah that's it uh, mm. so it's a little more true maybe yeah. but, but hey uh we're yeah we're we're rounding out the time here so cool we'll yeah. see you and actually we'll never see you yep. but we'll but you might see us right or something probably not all right yeah. but we'll talk <laughs> all right. we'll talk later bye bye